Hello, everybody. It's so good to be here this morning. And uh, man, I'm really excited uh, for YouthConf 2022. Uh, I was involved um, many years ago in uh, youth conferences around the country, back when uh, it was about 100 years ago, when dinosaurs still roamed the earth. Uh, but I know how much God does through something like our youth conf. And so really, yeah, let's be partnering with them in prayer and in sending young people and financially if we can and just uh, leaning in and supporting all that God's going to do uh, on that weekend. Also in Super September, uh, lots coming up in the month. Hey, one thing I forgot to uh, mention is that next Sunday, Super Sunday, we're also going to be having the South African National Blood Service here doing a blood drive. Okay, uh, so let's Please come if you can support. They're in desperate need for blood, so they asked if they could come through. Uh, and what better day to do it than on our birthday? Yes, give something back. Uh, so next uh, week through the morning gatherings, you can donate blood as well. Awesome. Well, uh, it's quite a rare privilege for me this morning uh, to be preaching just standalone outside of a series. Um, so hold on to your seats. Anything could happen and probably will. Amen. Uh, last week, we ended the In His Image series, which I think was so good and so helpful for us as a church. If you've missed out on any of that, I'd just encourage you to go back and watch that. Share that with friends and family. I just think it was so, so useful. And then next Sunday on Super Sunday, we're jumping into a brand new series in the book of Acts. Uh, as you know, we've been in Acts the whole year. Uh, and so next week, we're launching a series called Salt and Light back in the book of Acts. I think it's going to be absolutely awesome. Okay, so as for today, uh, when it was uh, brought up that I'm going to be preaching and I can preach about whatever I want, I was like, great, this is what I like. Uh, and um, I asked God, won't you speak to me, God, about what is it that you'd like to speak to the church uh, on this Sunday before we head into September? Um, and uh, the one night when I prayed that and uh, I prayed for the, you know, sometimes it's a, a good thing to do. I think it's always a good thing to do. When I go to sleep, I pray for the Holy Spirit to reconfigure my mind, my thoughts, that the Holy Spirit would give me peace and joy, all the fruit of the Spirit as I sleep, speak to me in that way. Um, and that night when I prayed that, uh, God actually spoke to me through a dream. Uh, so by show of hands, how many of you, God speaks to you in dreams ever? Yeah, a, a few of us. Um, and, and it's not something that happens a lot to me. I, I won't lie, it doesn't happen a lot. But when it does happen, for those of you that it happens to, you know that it's God speaking, amen? You'd know that He has spoken. And I, I woke up from the dream, um, and what was happening in this dream is I was here on the property. I was looking out towards the river from this angle. Uh, how many of you know the weeping willow tree over there? Uh, it's such a beautiful tree. There was, once a, uh, uh, <laughs> there was once a big argument about whether we should take it down or keep it, and thank God it's there. It's so beautiful. Um, but I was looking out at that tree, and it's a bit greener now, but a week ago, uh, it wasn't at all. It was completely brown. It was completely barren. There was no greenery on it. There was no leaves on it. Uh, in every way, it looked dead, right? Uh, and in my dream, as, as I was looking at that tree, um, I started seeing shoots of color and shoots of green coming out from that tree. In, in, a, in a very real way, it felt like that tree was going from death to life. And I was standing there thinking, wow, this is awesome. I can see the changes coming. Uh, but what happened is it, it went from completely brown and barren to completely alive and green. And I just remember feeling the sense of awe at what God was doing and speaking to me through that image, which was absolutely beautiful. I was so happy to drive in this morning and see it really come into its greenness once again. And so when I woke up in the morning and I asked God what this was about, he took me to a passage of Scripture 
that I really love, and you've probably heard it before, God, uh, you might have heard a, a sermon on this one before, uh, but I think it's a word that God would speak to us as a church this morning. It comes from uh, Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verse 18 to 19, and so let's read along together. It says, verse 18, forget the former things. Everybody say forget. <laughs> Do not dwell on the past. Verse 19, see, and that's an important word there, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? And then how beautiful is this? He says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What an awesome promise we find in the scripture. I really enjoyed the way the message translation puts it. I just wanted to read it to you this morning. It says, forget about what's happened. Never keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I am about to do something new. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. I'm making a road through the desert and rivers in the wasteland. I think for many of us this morning, God is going to be speaking directly into our hearts through the scripture, and I believe that he's speaking into the life of our church through the scripture. But when I read it, uh, it reminded me of two things. <laughs> the one thing it reminded me of is that if there's one thing I know about God, is that we serve a God who specializes in doing a new thing. Amen? All the time, God is a God who specializes in doing it. In fact, he says that he is a God who makes all things new. That we know about him. But it also reminded me that there's something I know about us as humans. And that as humans, we specialize in losing hope. It's just part of who we are. Even though we know what God promises, even though we hear God's promises, even though we know there is hope in Jesus, what is it about us as humans that specializes in forgetting? In losing that hope that he gives us. And so the title of the message this morning, and uh, I'd encourage you to take notes uh, as we go through it. The title is Rear View Mirrors, Roads, and Rivers. Rear View Mirrors, Roads, and Rivers. You see, these words uh, that we read in Isaiah were spoken by the prophet Isaiah uh, while the Israelites were in captivity. Okay, so at this point, the Israelites' hearts are actually far from God. Uh, they're even thinking that God has abandoned them. They're thinking at this point that God wants nothing to do with them, when in actual fact, we know that the opposite of that is true. That's not God's heart towards them at all. Because we know that even though part of the pattern, I suppose, of the Israelites was that there was a pattern of sin, yes, there was a pattern of disobedience within them, there was a pattern in them of losing hope, even though God speaks to them all the time. But even though there are these patterns, we see that God is showing his faithfulness to them, even in those times, saying that even though you have patterns of sin and disobedience and losing hope, God says, I am going to provide for you. I am going to care for you. I am going to make a way for you. God says the same thing to you and I today. And the prophet Isaiah foretold 
that Israel was going to go through dry places. He foretold this. He, he, he foretold that they were going to go through desert experiences. They were going to go through wilderness moments. Uh, he foretold suffering and captivity. He foretold much difficulty for the Israelites. But the beautiful thing is, guess what? He also foretold hope. Same for today. He still foretells hope. He foretold hope that for the Israelites, in actual fact, what they don't realize is that their best days are still ahead. Their best days were still to come. And I think what's so awesome here is not only is God um, saying that he's going to provide water in desert places, not only is he going to turn barrenness into fruitful land, but what he's doing over here is he's also foretelling that God is sending a Messiah What he's saying is God is sending a savior, that God is sending Jesus. In other words, he's doing a new thing for them. I am doing a new thing. And so what God is doing here is he's starting to turn the attention of the Israelites towards what? Salvation. He's pointing them to salvation. He's pointing them to the coming of Jesus. He's saying that there's going to be a Savior that's going to come for you, and He's going to live and die for your sins, but then He's going to rise again. And we know that that happened 700 years later. God did the new thing. We know that for us, Jesus is going to return as well. Amen? Jesus said He's returning to make a new heaven. He's returning to make a new home. Jesus will return for us to make all things new. How awesome is that? And so it's a God who specializes in new things, and he's speaking to a people who specialize in losing hope. Yeah, to the Israelites. But how many of you know it's not just the Israelites? It's all of humanity. It's part of what humanity is that we specialize. From the beginning of time, humanity has longed to get past this weariness of sin, to get past the weariness of brokenness that we know that we found ourselves in. It's even reflected this longing to get over the sin and brokenness in the world. In one of the most famous songs we sing at Christmas time, I'll read you the lyrics, you'll know the song. It says, Long lay the world... In sin and error, pining, until he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. As humans, we can't help but feel wearied in this world of sin and of brokenness, but yet we know as it says in those lyrics, that there is a thrill of hope, that there is a new and a glorious morn coming in Jesus. Amen. And so God is in the business of new things. When I was looking at this, it's almost like the Bible doesn't want to keep quiet about it. The Bible speaks over and over and over about God being in the business of new things. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, Whenever you see therefore, you have to ask, what is it? Therefore. If anyone is in Christ, (laughs) the new creation has come. The old has gone, but the new is here. Revelation 21, 4 to 5. I love this one. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. 
there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Verse 5 says, he who was seated on the throne said, what? I am making everything new. And he said, write this down for these words, are trustworthy and true. And then I think one of my favorites, Isaiah 40 verse 31, it says, for those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Those of us who hope in the Lord will renew our strength. And I love it. I think God specializes in the new, but that doesn't mean that he's a God that ever changes. Amen. We know that God says in Hebrews 13 verse 8 that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same God, but he specializes in doing new things in our lives. Now, I know for us today here in this room and those of you watching online this morning, we can face many difficult days. I know that many of us have difficult days that we face in. I know many of us have sleepless nights that we face. And we can so often in our lives experience dry and difficult desert-like moments. I know it. And we get to, as pastors, help so many of you through these things, which is awesome. But none of us are immune from it. I was thinking about the desert, the actual desert, must be a, a very lonely place. The same as the deserts that we experience in the spiritual. An actual desert, it must be very lonely. I can imagine that even just the heat that people experience in the desert must make it easy for you to become disorientated in that place. It must be easy to get lost in that place. The same way when you're in a spiritual desert, it's easy to be disorientated, uh, to get lost, uh, to, to feel, feel moments of loneliness and confusion, to, to be disillusioned, to be disappointed when you're going through desert moments in your own life. And in these desert moments that we go through, I think it's so easy for us to feel very distant from God, right? To feel that God is very far from us. But the beautiful thing that I noticed is that the wilderness doesn't mean death. The wilderness doesn't mean death. And so when I looked out at that weeping willow, it looked dead, right? It was barren and brown and there was nothing happening. But that tree wasn't dead. It was going through its winter season. We all have to go through these moments, these seasons, these deserts. And so the thing with these deserts that we go through is how many examples can you think of throughout the Old Testament, throughout the New Testament, when actually what we see is God meeting people in their desert places? How many times over and over and over again through the entire Bible does God meet with people when they're in their wilderness, when they're in their desert? It seems like that is actually where God can do significant work in our lives. I don't think we talk about the wilderness enough. <laughs> I don't think we talk about desert moments enough. It, it's easy for us to talk about good things and goodness and grace. But I don't think we talk about that there are deserts in our lives. There are wilderness moments that we walk through in our lives. But yet that's actually so often the place where God meets us. And it's in that place where he invites us to see the new thing that he is doing. To perceive, to see, to behold the new thing that he's doing. 
in Israel's most desperate time, in Israel's most lonely time, in their, their most lost time, when they actually thought they were abandoned by God, God says, no, I will make a way for you. God's word to them, I will make a way. God's promise is always that this is not the end, that he will bring newness, that the best is still coming. And because we know that one day Jesus is going to return for us, that one day Jesus is going to come and make everything new, we can rest assured that our best days are ahead of us as the Israelites. And so it's in that place, in the everlasting steadfastness of God's nature, that he really takes us into new depths of who he is. And those happen in those moments. You see, in our humanness, we don't have the capacity to renew life, right? We don't have the capacity as humans to renew life. We don't have the capacity to renew hope even. That's why we speak about it so much. It's not hopeful, wishful thinking. It's only Jesus can bring that hope. Only God can renew everything. I mean, God says he will renew our hearts. He's a God who renews our hearts. Ezekiel 36, 26 is so beautiful in saying, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. And so how many of you, even this morning, know that God can and God wants to do a new thing in your life, even this morning? I believe God wants to do that. And in this short passage of scripture in Isaiah, I think there are some powerful tools for us uh, on how that can happen. And so we're going to look at those uh, this morning. The first one, point number one, is rear view mirrors. Rear view mirrors. You know, I think verse 18, forget the former things, that's one, and then do not dwell in the past, that's two. So there's two things there forgetting the former things and not dwelling on the past. I think it's so easy. As humans, I think it's so easy for us to get trapped in the past and, and just be stuck there forever. I think what Isaiah is saying is he's shown us these two, two areas of how we can get stuck. And so the first one that we want to look at this morning is the former things. The former things. I think uh, when, when you think about former things in your life, I don't know what you think of, but there's a few that I can think of. I think one of the former things that we can hold to in our lives, that we can get stuck in actually, is our past success. Our past successes. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to have success in many different areas of life. You can be successful as a student. You can be successful in your career. You can have success in various things that you accomplish. Uh, we've got a bunch of uh, City Hope friends running the Comrades Marathon today, thinking and praying for them. They can have success in their running. Uh, where's Christine? She's not here. Very successful runner, Christine. Um, you know, you can have success. And there's nothing wrong with success, right? There's nothing wrong with past success either. But how easy is it for us to get stuck there in the past success and which ends up blinding us to seeing that there's actually a new thing that God wants to do in our lives. We can get so easily trapped, even in something as good as success. It's a former thing. I think the other former thing that we can easily get trapped by is the good old days. Come on now. Anybody ever hear about the good old days? Normally we hear like our grandparents talking about the good old days. 
Listen, I want to just uh, remind you, this is an easy one to get stuck in, because there is no good old days. <laughs> I want to tell you, the good old days are now. You know, this is, you know, and that's what, what we're saying over here. Don't get stuck there because God's doing something now. And one day you'll look back and say, those were the good old days. So God's doing his thing now. We can get so stuck in it because we, you know what we do? We look at the good old days through rose-tinted glasses. We don't really always remember what happened then. But we, we look at it through rose-tinted glasses. And we don't ever embrace that what God wants us to do is remove the rose-tinted glasses of the good old days and put on the glasses of seeing what God wants to do in your life today. That's what God wants for your life. And so again, there's nothing wrong with honoring the past. Definitely not. This church has got a long and rich heritage, a long and rich history. There are many people that came before all of us that helped pave the road on which we are on today. And that is worth honoring, that is worth celebrating, that is definitely worth remembering. Definitely but we can't be a people who live in yesterday's hour because if we live in yesterday's hour, we completely miss what God is doing in this hour right now. And that's what God would have us do. Uh, the second area there uh, that I think uh, we've been helped in is this aspect of dwelling in the past. Dwelling in the past. And so uh, if former things are maybe some of the uh, things that are a bit more successful, uh, good things, the I think dwelling in the past leans itself a little bit more to some of the negative things that we go through. You know, it's easy to be held captive by that. And the truth of the matter is every single one of us has a past. Yes? <laughs> if you don't have a past, you're not a human. Uh, so we all have our past. Uh, the thing is, we live in this cruel world that doesn't want us to easily forget our past. <laughs> they want to keep reminding us of past mistakes that we've made. I think it's even worse living in this world of social media where they really don't want you to forget your past. And how many of you know that one unflattering image that made its way into Instagram that just will never go away? It's there, it's out there, and social media doesn't want you to forget that. You know, I was thinking when we complain on Hello Peter about bad service of a company, that complaint lives there forever. And so anytime someone wants a review on that company, they're going to see your negative review over there. It will never go away. Now imagine if someone submitted a review of your life to Hello Peter, a negative one about a mistake that you've made. It will sit there forever and taint you forever. And sometimes these are the things that happen because the truth of the matter is we've all failed, yes? All of us have been there. We've all failed. We've all had times where we've drifted away from God. We, we all have times where we've forgotten God. We've all had times of trying to live this life in our own strength instead of the strength that comes from God. Every single one of you this morning has made mistakes in your past. We've all had problems that we haven't dealt with properly. Every one of us. But how easy is it for us to get stuck there? How easy is it for us to get stuck in our failures and so we never fully move forward into all that God actually has for our lives? And God is saying that's not what he desires for us. He doesn't desire us to get stuck in our past failures. The second way that I think we can dwell on the past that is unhealthy is this area of offense. This area of offense. Uh, you know, I think we've, we've all had uh, offenses that we've had to deal with. We've all been offended. 
Uh, also, just FYR, we've all offended others, <laughs> just so you remember that part. But we've all had to endure offense. Um, and sometimes offense is easy to let go of. Sometimes it's simpler to let go of. But have you noticed that there's sometimes an offense that comes that sits deep within us? That actually it's not easy to let go of. Actually, it's the thing that's on our mind the minute we wake up the next morning. It, it gets to our hearts. It sits deeply within us. And I believe God is warning us through this to say, don't allow offense to dwell in you. Don't allow offense to dwell in you. I think that there is tremendous power. And I think that this is definitely a word for, for people here this morning. There's tremendous power in forgetting offense. And maybe God's speaking to you about it right now. Because forgetting offense is actually a proactive thing that we need to do. It means choosing to not remember. If you're going to forget offense, you're going to choose not to remember that offense. It's an intentional, proactive choice that you need to take. I choose not to remember it. And how many of you know that God is the ultimate benchmark in this? He's the ultimate benchmark in not only forgetting offense, but choosing to not remember our sin. A few verses later in that very same chapter, it says, I, even I... Am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. It's the benchmark of forgetting sin. And if we see this as part of the nature of God, we'll see it all over Scripture. That choosing to forget sin is part of God's nature. Hebrews 8 verse 12 says, For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. That is who God is. And so that is what we aspire to. But I will be honest and say that this is difficult for us as humans. This is difficult for us. To not dwell on the past and to forget former things is not easy. I think in our humanness, we lean far more easily to hanging on to the past for far too long. And what happens is it eventually takes a hold on us. That's not God's heart for us. I found this really uh, helpful talking into the scripture. Uh, someone called Dr. Jared Alcantara is helping to acknowledge that there are things that are necessary to be done when dealing with our past, that there are conflicts that arise that need resolution. And so forgetting the former is not neglecting that, but it is choosing to not let the former things have a controlling power over your life. I want to say that allowing the past to have a controlling power over your life is not God's heart for you. Because how many of you know there's only one person who should have controlling power over your life, and that's Jesus, amen? Not your past. And so if right now you're experiencing your past having control over your today, right now, maybe Jesus is speaking straight to you, saying, come to me, I've got something new that I can offer you. Maybe God's saying that to you this morning. When we get to verse 19, I love it. It says, see, I am doing a new thing. Everybody say, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I love that see is so intentional. 
I am doing a new thing. It's so important because it's a personal invitation from God. He's inviting you to see what he sees. And in other translations, it says, behold, see what I am doing. He doesn't just say, I am doing a new thing. He invites us in to see, to behold the new thing that he is doing. God is inviting us to see what he sees. How many of you desire that in your life? To be able to see what God sees. Instead of looking backwards, instead of living in the past, God is saying, look forward. There is a new thing that I am doing. And that takes us to the second point this morning, roads and rivers. Verse 19, the second part of it, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the desert, in the wasteland. I think these um, verses speak so beautifully into the intentionality of God. Besides a very deliberate, I am over there, I am doing a new thing. I think it's important to notice that the, the word way that is used over there, I am making a way, is the same word way that was used when God parted the Red Sea for them to cross. And so in the exact same way that he made a way for the Israelites to get through the Red Sea, he's saying, I will make that way for you through the wilderness as well. God is intentional in it. I am going to make a way. When God says, I am doing something, then you can take that to the bank. Amen? God is, God is trustworthy in that. Humans, not so much. You know, when we say we're going to do something, when we say we, you know, it's, it's like so... I have in Strength Finder, which is a personality profiling thing, my number one strength is activator, all right? So I like for things to happen like that, and I frustrate everybody around me. And so I'll ask Taryn, hey, can you do X, Y, Z? And she'll say yes, and then I'll turn, I'll be walking to my office, turn straight back around to her office and ask, is it done yet? She says, no, can I have at least 30 seconds to do that, please? Uh, you know, all kids, guys, it's your job today to unpack this dishwasher. Will you do that? Yeah, 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 we'll do it. I will do it. I will do it. Uh, next day, same story. No, not done yet. We're not as trustworthy when we say we're going to do something as God is. But when God says, I am, you can trust in him in that. And God is a God who says, I am making a way for you in your wilderness. And we can trust him that he is doing that. And so in your most lost and unexpected places, God says he provides a road. And in your driest and seemingly most dead moments, God says, I am providing a river. And so when you're in a lost place, when you're in a disorientated place, when you're in an unexpected place, and God says, I am providing a road, where is that road supposed to lead to? Or when you're in your driest moment, when you feel that everything is dead and God provides a river for you, where is that river supposed to lead to? Where are these roads and rivers supposed to lead us to? I want to say that the place that the roads and rivers lead us to is they need to lead us to a place of worship. Amen. It leads us to a place of worship because in chapter, in uh, verse 20 of the same chapter, it says that the wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, 
because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people are formed for myself. Why? That they may proclaim my praise. I want you to know that you and I were born for one thing, and that is to worship our Creator. Amen. That is what we are born for. We created to worship. All of life is worship. And so when God says, I will provide roads and I will provide rivers, it's supposed to lead to a place of worship of our Creator. All of life is worship. So in good times, we worship. In hard times, what do we do? We worship, and that's not always easy, but it's a choice that we make. We worship. And so in fruitful places, we worship. In barren places, we worship. In desert times, we worship. And when God provides roads and rivers in our lives, what do we do, church? We worship. That is the point of this, that God meets you in your desert place, and he says, I will provide a way, and that way leads us to a place of worship of him again. The second place that I think these roads and rivers need to lead us to is I think it leads us to renewed life in the Holy Spirit. Renewed life in the Spirit, and we all need this so, so much. When God says, I'm making a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, we can see that, we can read that as symbolic language of God talking about an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 7, 38 and 39, it says, Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Spirit, life in the Spirit. I think this is the big difference between God's people in the Old Testament and God's people in the New Testament. You see, in the Old Testament, people were trying to follow this God who had saved them from slavery in Egypt. In the New Testament, the people are trying to follow a God who saved them from slavery to sin. And the game changer for us today is what God is prophetically saying in Isaiah. It is the Holy Spirit. That's what changes the game for you and me. You know, in John 15, it talks about living a life, abiding in Christ. Well, how is it possible to abide in Christ? The only way that it's possible to abide in Christ is by living a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is what we call to. And as the band joins me on stage right now, I believe that what is, uh, God is saying to us this morning, for every single one of us sitting here, for everyone online, for everyone, for this church as well, I believe that God is actually exhorting us, He's exhorting you, He's exhorting me, to make a choice. All right? I think this morning, what you need to do is you need to make a choice in your own heart. I think you may, may need to make a choice in your own life of where you're going to dwell. Where are you going to dwell? Because there's either side of the line. You can choose to dwell on this side of the line, which is dwelling in the past, dwelling in past failures, dwelling in the good old days, dwelling in mistakes, dwelling in offense. You can choose to stay there, to live that life. Or you can choose to live a life in the newness of what God invites you into. You can choose to dwell on that side of the line, uh, to abide in Christ, to dwell in a life in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
You can choose to dwell on that side of the line. I want to say that for my own life and for the life of this church, my choice is to dwell on the side of the line of where God is doing a new thing. I want to dwell there. I want to dwell in a life that is given to worship of Jesus. I want to dwell in a life that is uh, abiding in Christ every single day of my life. I I want to dwell in a life that is fueled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that is God's desire for every single one of us. And so there are roads in the wilderness. There are rivers in the desert. I know that for all of us, God is doing something new. God is taking us to new places. The reason He's doing this is that we're able to reach even more people with the love and the freedom that comes in knowing Him. Amen. Because why would you keep this to yourself? If God meets you in your desert and He provides a road and He provides a river, why would you keep that to yourself? Why would you not take that to everyone that you can to invite them to see what God sees? Amen. And so the question, I suppose, this morning for every one of us is, would we behold that today? Would we choose to see that today, what God sees? Would we choose to see what God sees? Would we choose to perceive what God perceives? Would we choose to accept and live in the beautiful new thing that God says He is doing today? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me this morning. And uh, I just love how God has been working uh, in, in our midst. I love how what we've sang and worshipped this morning is tied in so beautifully with what He's speaking to us. In actual fact, somebody came to me at the 8 o'clock and said she was on the verge of her toes coming onto the stage to bring a word, and her word was Isaiah 43. And I think God's speaking powerfully to us. We're going to sing Waymaker again, and in this, you know, it's once again, God's saying He's going to make a way. And as we do that, won't you do business with God? Won't you speak to Him? Uh, Won't you ask Him to reveal to you what is the new thing He wants to do in your life? Is there some stuff that you need to let go of? Is there the old? Are you dwelling on stuff? Are you holding on to stuff? And ask God to help you move into the new thing that He has for you. After that, we're going to have a time of communion. But let's worship together.